0: Welcome to Therapy Etc. podcast, a bi-monthly conversation where we will be discussing everyday life experiences that create an impact. And when you think about it in one way or another, everything creates an impact. And therefore, all of these things also encompass mental health. I'm your host, Patricia Alvarado, a licensed mental health therapist and first-generation Latina from Los Angeles, California. To find more information, please visit my website, alvaradotherapy.org. And while I hope you love listening and learning from the podcast, it's not meant to be a substitute for mental health services. Okay, let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Therapy Etc. I have a very special guest today, Ms. Stephanie. Do you want to introduce yourself and share a little bit about you
1: and who you are? Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a fan of the podcast. I really love it. Um, So my name is Stephanie Cerati. I am a social worker therapist working towards licensure. I graduated from Columbia School of Social Work uh, May 2020. So in the midst of the pandemic, which was crazy. Um, I'm also a writer and I have a mental health poetry collection coming out next week.
0: Oh my goodness. I want to know all about that. Yeah. I'm like, like, you ended with that. I'm like, okay, I want to, I want to start with that. That's the hook. (laughs) That's the hook. Yeah. Tell me about the writing.
1: Of course. So I was just reflecting on this yesterday. Actually, I started writing and it's a little bit in the intro to the book as well. I started writing poetry specifically when I was nine, which sounds like such a weird thing for a nine-year-old to do. But we were given an assignment in the third grade um, to write a poem about something we loved. Like we were learning about what poetry was and everything. And I wrote a poem called My Acapulco Home, which is where my abue and my grandma lives. Mm -hmm. And I wrote a poem about it. And I really enjoyed the process. I got to Poetry is such a beautiful way to explore your feelings. Obviously, I didn't know that's what I was doing at nine, but I got to feel, you know, like missing her and nostalgia and kind of explore growing up in two different cultures, all in this Mm -hmm. little homework assignment. Mm -hmm. And I showed it to my mom and she loved it. And that little bit of encouragement sometimes is all that kids especially need or even adults. And so I kept using poetry kind of as like a therapeutic tool to deal with a lot of things throughout my life before I had access to any mental health information, um, before I had access to therapy or anything like that. That was my therapy was reading and writing. Mm -hmm. So this book, the process was really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I did it through Alegria Publishing, which is an indie publisher that Focuses on Latinx writers, mm-hmm. and it's, it was really nice because I felt very supported. It's kind of scary to write your first book, and I bet, yeah. Um, but they have they're really great support, so I definitely recommend folks check them out. And the the idea of the book, I hope it come across comes across that way, is it kind of starts out with my mental health struggles. Mm -hmm. Um, and it develops with me on my journey so far. So the beginning is the hard stuff. And then you even progress with me, um, through my first therapy session and then becoming a therapist myself. Mm -hmm. Some of those experiences are in there as well. And then there's a ton of themes of other subjects that are really important to me, like feminism and self-love and, my cultures and things like that. Um, so I really hope that it can be a companion to people. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's probably the, what I loved so much about reading and what I loved about therapy when I started going was not feeling so alone, not feeling, um, that what you were going through makes you wrong or bad. Having someone else there to to tell you oh yeah I have I felt that way too so that's the objective of the book I love it and it's called kiss from god right kiss from god yeah and the story is explained um there's two poems <laughs> named there's kiss from god part one and part two but at the beginning I, I believe I do explain I have I don't know how well you could see it I have a really unique birthmark oh yeah yeah I can see it uh-huh for folks that are just listening it's like On my left arm, and it's Uh purple splotches. I get on YouTube so you can see it. (laughs) Yes. It's actually pretty light now. Um, When I was born, it was very dark, very dark, dark purple. And my skin was twisted here. Oh, interesting. Um, Yeah. And it's just a birthmark. There was nothing wrong. But my parents were really concerned that as I... Because people... My dad says people would rudely ask questions to me, like "What's wrong with you? What's what happened to you? Mm -hmm. Why does your arm look like that?" Um, And they were really concerned that I was gonna kind of like be self conscious about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But they were very surprised that the first explanation I gave to someone who just a stranger that just came up and said, "What happened to you?" and pointed at my arm, I said, "Oh, this." it's a kiss from God. And I must have been like three or something. (laughs) They didn't tell me to say that. It was just a little kid Uh knowing that the thing that makes them unique is actually really beautiful and special. Yeah, Um, And so that's the essence I really wanted in the book was all the things that we think are so strange and icky about us sometimes are actually the most beautiful and unique things about us as well. Oh, I love that message. That's amazing.
0: So I'm curious to know, like, what inspired you to, like, put all of this in a book? Because, you know, like you said, like, this is, like, your journey and kind of, like, the progression. Um, Mm -hmm. How do you, how did you, what what made you want to say, okay, I
1: want to share this with others? I think, that's a really good question because I always recommend that folks find some sort of creative outlet. Um I think mm-hmm. we are all creative even if we don't think we are. Um whether it's painting or drawing or making like TikToks, honestly, that's like it's a very creative endeavor. Mm-hmm. To I cannot writing. do
0: these TikToks. Oh my god. They're really
1: hard. My husband does them. He does. Uh, he has a whole TikTok channel on ancient Rome, funny enough. And I thought oh, it was yeah. so silly at first. Uh-huh. And then he's like, Oh, let me show you how to make them so you can make some mental health ones. And they tire me out.
0: Okay, you need to teach me. Okay, <laughs> we'll have a little
1: tutorial. <laughs> okay, they're not easy. So they are a creative endeavor. And I really do think everyone is creative. And it's so beneficial to self-discovery and to healing to have some sort of creative time for yourself. So in part, this was very healing for me to go through. Um, But the sharing part of creativity, I do think you should wait until you feel comfortable sharing it. Everything that I share, you know, I don't share everything about myself through these poems, but everything that I do share um i've made enough peace with i've made enough progress with that i'm comfortable with everyone i know looking at it if they wanted to mm-hmm. um so and that in itself feels so good to be able to say that um and then the reason i wanted to publish it versus just making it and keeping it for myself was i kept coming back to it's always 16 year old me who was struggling so much what 16 year old isn't Uh struggling right with something yeah um I had a lot going on at that age specifically my siblings are a lot younger than I am Mm -hmm. my brother is 12 years younger my sister is 15 years younger oh wow yeah so there were babies in the home and And you were already like a preteen yeah and just dealing with your own oh my gosh I love (laughs) they are like they're almost like my kids and i They're the things I love the most in this world are my brother and my sister, but it's hard when you're a teenager Mm -hmm. and you do need to help your parents with a crying baby in the middle of the night. You do need to help with things that other 16 year olds weren't uh, doing when (laughs) I was that age. Uh So I had a lot. And then you have your own figuring yourself out. Um, I started to experience pretty severe depression at that age. And was very alone in that, and felt like I could not talk to anyone about it, so I got really, really good at masking it, at hiding it, and pushing through it on my own and so when writing this book, my big hope was that even if someone out there isn't sixteen but feels that way, and they, well, they read relate. it, mm-hmm. they can relate and not feel so alone during. Um, the messy process of figuring yourself out and trying to heal mm-hmm. from so many things. Wow. So when does it come out? It It's available for pre-order now and it should be out out next week after oh. the long weekend. So it's oh the goodness. second that we're recording this. It should be out by, let me look at a calendar because I don't know dates. It should be out by um, Tuesday the 7th. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited for you. I need to check it out. Thank you so much. I'm really excited too. It's been, it took about seven months Mm -hmm. to write. I think maybe longer. I'm still in like COVID time. So my brain doesn't understand. (laughs) Yeah. Time is like a social construct. What is, What It truly is. It's not real. (laughs) Definitely not anymore. But I think it took about seven months to like uh, finish, a first draft, and then I had to work with an editor. I apparently do not understand what commas are for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why do I I'll come this? <laughs> <laughs> Every single edit I got from this beautiful, lovely editor, who's also a poet and a writer, um, she was always correcting where I'd put commas or adding commas where I was like, I didn't know one needed to be there or taking them away. And one of my resolutions is to learn the appropriate use of a comma.
0: You know, I'm now I'm wondering like how much of my writing um, should not have a comma because I love them.
1: I do too. That was it. They create, I over- they create the space. Yes. And I, I was like, I remember one time I was like, aren't you supposed to, I was telling my husband this, I was like, don't you put a comma in every time you pause? Like if you were speaking. hmm And he's like, I've never heard that before. I don't know who told me that.
0: I feel like that's kind of how I use commas. It's a way to create space to pause.
1: Yeah. I'm like, if I were saying this out loud, I would have paused here. Yeah. And there's my comma. comma I agree
0: with you. Somebody taught us right. I don't know about everybody else.
1: Yes, I agree. There's some other false way to use them, but that was an unexpected, um, know yourself better moment of writing Mm a poetry collection and spelling in general is not my strong suit so for anyone who's not a good speller you're not alone in that either mm-hmm. so
0: i will link your book somewhere in the description so oh, that thank others you. can check it out um cuz yeah that sounds like such a great um you know a journey throughout this time but also just reflection from your past experiences
1: mm-hmm. and then where
0: you are now so yeah i'm very excited for you
1: Thank you. Thank you so much and hopefully there's they're not all about um me specifically there hopefully there's some mm-hmm. universal ones in there. Mm-hmm. Um and there it starts off a little sad everyone but that's okay because i promise it gets very very much so uplifting and there should be some really good ones to help inspire and motivate you as well. Mm-hmm.
0: So you started writing this book during 2020 did I? I did, guess right? so. 11, yes. 11 months ago. Oh yeah. And you also graduated in 2020. And I
1: graduated. Yes.
0: Okay. So tell me, about, okay. You were in graduate <laughs> school. You were, but your program was here, right? In LA, you were doing like an online program or tell me. Yeah, about I did.
1: Job. Yeah, I did. Um, So it was ahead of the curve for the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I did my whole Columbia graduate school classes online. So. I'm sure every school offers this now, Mm -hmm. but essentially you log into live classes and you, it's like a big Zoom meeting, but I'd say a little less chaotic. Um, Mm -hmm. It's very structured and there's, you get called on like in a normal lecture. Uh, Almost like if your desk, if your
0: computer was on a desk.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's a really good way of thinking about it. So the professors up there lecturing, and their slides. And it really depends, obviously, on the person's teaching style. But sometimes I had several professors who I think particularly because we were online, didn't want folks to disengage and would randomly call on you to ask you something about the readings. Um, I felt like it was actually really rigorous, again, because I think people really wanted to make sure that the students were engaged and learning. So typically the way it went was lecture with random fun questions to terrify you <laughs> if you didn't do the readings and then they would have breakout room discussions. So that was a really nice way to get to know some of my classmates. I made friends from North Carolina, from Arizona, from the East Coast that were all doing the program online as well. And it was full time and then we had Yeah. And then we had one advising class, like an advisory class, which was in person. Um, So I got to meet other Columbia students in my class that were also living in LA. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah, that was nice. So we met monthly and it was for, it was actually really nice. Um, It was kind of for just discussing how the program's going so far, connecting. It was led by an LCSW, a local LCSW, um, that could kind of help guide us in in terms of career goals and making sure that we're taking the right classes and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And then we got to socialize. And then the other component was uh, field experience, which obviously is 100% in person, and you do it locally. So I did, yeah, I did first year at Santa Monica College. in the crisis prevention team, as well as the, the wellness center doing therapy. Mm -hmm. And then, um, the second year at the veterans hospital here. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when I graduated, they offered me a fellowship there as well.
0: Nice. And this, that's the work that you're doing now, right?
1: Yes. I do work with veterans now. Um, yeah. And I do case management and therapy services with them oh.
0: did i yeah. tell you that i um briefly uh worked with at santa monica's uh city college in their counseling center
1: no i don't think so
0: yeah 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 so i was working at a non-profit called dd hirsch and they mm-hmm. moved me around wherever they wanted me wherever they needed me and at <laughs> one point they uh, they placed me at santa monica city college and i would really? like, be like twice a week in the counseling center
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's so interesting. Services. Yeah, I wonder if they don't do that anymore because we referred students to DD Hirsch all the time. That was probably like the go-to mental health referral, but there was no yeah. one uh, there in person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I used to be there like uh, twice, a, twice a week. And this was back in like 20, gosh, maybe like 2013 or something mm-hmm. like that. So a long time ago. Long time ago. Oh my god, that
1: doesn't feel like a long time ago.
0: Oh well, it does to me because I'm like, wow, that's so like so far away from like the work that I've done like from there till now.
1: (laughs) I know it's crazy. I think whenever anyone is feeling like down on themselves, like think of where you were just five years ago. And you'll probably be like, Wow, yeah, have I changed and grown and all the lessons I've learned? That's true. It changes so much. Yeah, I've done so much since then. I actually attended Santa Monica College when Mm -hmm. I graduated high school. Um, So it was very surreal going back as a graduate student to assist uh, the students there. And it definitely made me feel really proud of myself because going to a community college, I don't know about students now at that age, but I felt like there was some sort of stigma around it almost. Mm-hmm. Um, around like not going directly to a four year school, oh gotcha, got you, got you. Uh-huh. and I kind of felt like a little bit of like anxiety around that when I started, but I just um was so determined to like prove this imaginary person that was judging me wrong that I ended up doing really well and was able to transfer to u s c and it ended up being a really good experience for me. Um, and it's great for reducing your student loans. Again, if there's any students listening, I highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, Santa Monica City College has really good transfer rates,
1: no? I think we I've have heard like that. the best in the state. Um, but yeah, I just felt like when I was there, at least. So when I was there as a student, when I was there as an employee, it was really helping folks in crisis. Mm-hmm. So I didn't help with any academic advising. But I remember showing up and telling my academic advisor the first day we met, I want to go to USC. Didn't and either. she was like, <laughs> yeah. And she was like, okay, this is everything you need to do. You need to get at least these grades consistently. Uh, this is what they're looking for. Consider these extracurriculars or mm-hmm. whatever. She mm-hmm. literally laid out a plan and I just followed it to the T. Wow.
0: Yeah. it's nice and very easy. At least, you know, mm-hmm. exactly what you need to do. There's no, um, questions, because that's something that I feel like I hear, like, I don't know what classes to take. I'm just kind of taking any random class. So that's yes. kind of nice that you kind of advocated for yourself and made sure that you knew what you needed to do.
1: Yes, I was really motivated. And I became like the little uh, academic counselor for my friends that were there too. I was like, no, you got to take this class, this class, this class. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So you graduated last year and Uh you
0: graduated during pandemic with your grad program. How was that for you?
1: Such a huge thing. I know. I don't, you know, uh, I don't think I'm over it. I know so many folks have lost so much during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. but again, I, in high school, I was, depressed. I was, um, secretly depressed, I guess. I was also the bad kid in high school. Really? I don't yes. know. No I one don't know ever I believes believe that. No one ever believes that anymore, but <laughs> I was the kid because that's what happens when you are a teenager and you're dealing with stuff and you can't talk to anyone about it. You act out. Um, so I would skip class. I all the time, all the time I would skip class. I would, talk during class. I was constantly in the Dean's office. Um, it wasn't anything like aggressive. I just was very checked out of high school. Mm-hmm. And because over of that, it. I was over it from like day two. I was like, Oh, I don't think I'm going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> this is so not I for actually, me. <laughs> this is not for me. I barely graduated high school. Um, I ended up getting the English award, ironically, because I loved English literature so much, the class, but I had really poor grades. Um, And I always got the speech from counselors and teachers. You are just not applying yourself. You're not trying hard enough, that sort of thing, Um, which at the time didn't motivate me. But then I went to SMC and felt the consequences of my actions and was very motivated, as I said, to get into USC. So I, at that point, even, I don't, even when I was starting to do better and I started going to therapy and my grades improved and things like that at community college, I don't think I ever would have pictured myself going to a school like Columbia. Mm -hmm. Um, So prestigious. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was very, I felt very out of reach. Even when I told my parents that I wanted to go to USC, they were supportive, but they were like yeah, I don't know how you're going to pay for that. I don't know how you're going to figure that whole situation out. Good luck. Mm -hmm. Um, They didn't really know anything about the process. So I felt very alone in that as well, let alone going to an Ivy league school. But the reason I applied was because my grandmother on my father's side, she grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Mm -hmm. Um, She was very different than me in that she loved mathematics and numbers and just those like the hard sciences really. Um, And she actually got into Columbia when she graduated high school and was one, was like one of the, I don't know, maybe four women admitted into mathematics or something that year. I don't remember Uh specifically, but it was a big deal for her and when she told her father um he's he said to her why would you go to a school like that we don't have any money and Mm -hmm. you're gonna get married she was engaged to my grandfather Mm -hmm. he said so you don't need to go to school that's why women go to school is to find a husband you already found a husband
0: wow like you don't need to do that anymore you already got what you wanted
1: Yeah. You don't need it or whatever. Yeah. You don't have to go through this whole school thing. And she, um, didn't go and she got married and immediately had children. And she's, uh, she passed away when I was about 18 years old, but prior to her passing away, uh, she and I had a heart to heart and none, none of her children ever knew that she'd gotten into Columbia. Wow, she kept that to herself. And she told me the story. And she told me that was mm-hmm. the only regret she had in her life was not going and getting an education at a school like that. Um, yeah. So then the only reason I even applied to the graduate program was to honor her. I was like, I'm not going to get in. But for her, I'm going to try. Yeah. So oh this leads back to a very long way of getting back to your question, which was not being able to walk at graduation was so hard for me. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. so hard. Because it's just, just. Yeah, it feels like. And for so many people that didn't have graduations that year, it's the fruits of your labor, right? It's the moment where your family gets to see you in the cap and gown and all of that. Um, yeah, and just like, you know, not only. Uh,
0: graduate school but even you know just uh from an undergraduate from high school high even school. like even like middle school because it's like a culmination yes. it, it's like a coming of age moment yes. and so as you get older like these these special moments kind of like uh they're like the stepping stones as you mm-hmm. continue progressing and and then now you're you're um you are in graduate school so it's like either you walk now, you go for a PhD. What are you going to (laughs) do?
1: Yes. And I'm not going for the PhD. I
0: know. I I don't think
1: I can do it. I'm sure eventually I'll probably get over the school hangover that I have and maybe think about it. But right now that's not an option. Yeah. So it felt, it felt really sad and something that um, COVID really made me reflect on was how much, we rely on like rituals or rites of passage mm-hmm. to really mark things cuz even though school had ended right and my friends did like the the drive by graduations and things like that mm-hmm. when i i started my fellowship uh very shortly after and so it kind of and in a fellowship you are in a learning position as well okay right you're still The expectation is that you're still training and kind of honing your skills. Um, You get lighter caseloads so you can attend more workshops and conferences and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it still felt like I was a student Mm -hmm. and it was so hard to really own who I was as a clinician and a social worker. And I didn't even recognize it until my supervisor pointed out. He's like, you have to be confident that you're the expert in the room when you're the only mental health professional there. Uh,
0: I see what you're saying. So was it, it was yeah. kind of, because you didn't have like that rite of passage, that ritual most, and it kind of felt like you were still a student when you were already in the fellowship.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I think that's part of it, at least is these nice little like markers where you're like, okay, now I am A full grown social worker.
0: Yeah. No, you know what? And that makes perfect sense. I mean, when I am with clients, I tell them, especially for those that are not, they don't like working from home, but they have to, Mm -hmm. or they, um, they're, they're struggling with it. They'll find themselves, um, working like on their bed and then like just kind of closing the laptop and going to sleep. And there's no, like, I call them like anchors, like stops Mm -hmm. moments. Uh Uh-huh. And so I really encourage like, okay, if you are working, like I tell them like, this is where I work, where I'm sitting here. If I'm not sitting here, I'm not working. If I'm sitting here, I'm working. And so encouraging, like creating like a little space, even if it's like on the coffee table, like if you're sitting in that specific place with your computer, that means you're working. But then Mm -hmm. when you close it, what are you going to do after like what is going to be like that stopping point so that you can now continue on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Like what you're sharing kind of reminds me of that, like, kind of like creating that stopping point, that anchor, like done with this and I can move on.
1: Yes. So I can yes. see how that can be these, confusing. These little, even if they're little, like you said, like I'm closing the laptop and I'm going to the other room, really small rituals to begin and end things are so I don't know if it's like, they're just so tangible for our brains mm-hmm. that our brain, like you said, it's anchored. It's like, okay, the end is here. Um, I see my therapist virtually mm-hmm. and she's so cute. She, she mentioned to me, cause I'm going to be working from home as well. Virtually. She said, you know what you need to do? She's very spiritual. She's like, you need to like smudge the room, like in uh-huh. between our sessions. And when you talk to clients and things like that, so that, that you mark, like my, healing is is put to the side for now it's in a container Uh uh and now I'm working versus Uh I'm still in therapy mode for me you know what I mean yeah
0: that's a good point because I could get Mm -hmm. confusing actually when I see my therapist I just go to another room
1: (laughs) that's yeah that's probably I'm like I'm not sitting here because this is work yeah and and (sighs) our brains do get confused it's so crazy we forget how. Old our brains are mm-hmm. like evolutionary, they haven't changed in a very long time, mm-hmm. so they still very much so function as an animal brain, mm-hmm. and these little anchors kind of help ease their anxieties right um like okay, now I know that this has ended, and this has started yep,
0: yep, mm-hmm. yeah, you know i I work every day, um mm-hmm. but and I have like a light, you can probably you know see like a a reflection or whatnot but every day even though I know that the next day I'm gonna work again and I'm gonna need that light I put everything away really yeah it's like like uh that's good a way for me to be like this is part of me ending the day like I turn off the laptop I I disconnect the light I put it to the side I clear out my desk and it's your it, cleansing uh-huh. And like that's what I I do it every day. Even if I were to work late, let's just say I'm working to like eight, nine o'clock at night and I'm working again like at 10 in the morning. Mm-hmm. I will still do that, knowing that the next day I'll have to do it. <laughs> but it's just part of my process to just kind of like know that the day has ended. That's and really I good. can move on.
1: Yes. Yeah. I like that. I'm gonna look for more areas in my apartment to to do that. I like that because it's also just good habit to keep it tidy. Mm-hmm, and you feel mm-hmm. more relaxed and inspired, I'd imagine, than when it's all, like, jumbled and out there. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. So going back to um, your graduation and how that oh, yes. <laughs> that didn't happen in 2020, did you have the opportunity to walk in 2021?
1: No, they didn't oh. give us that opportunity. Oh. I do have a trip to New York planned this October. Okay. Um okay. Cause I got to, I've been to New York uh, a few times. My dad's from there Mm -hmm. Um, and I got to go for orientation for grad school. We did that in person and that was really nice. But my husband and I have actually never been together. He went once as a child and hasn't been back. And so we're doing, this is like my graduation trip is going to New York and we're going to go to the campus and take pictures and things like that to kind of Give memory. a nice little treat, yes, uh-huh. to kind oh, of mark the time really before nice. it gets it's too far away. You know, uh-huh. and October is a perfect time.
0: Fall is just so beautiful in New York. Don't go right now. I'm sure you've seen the photos of what's happening with like the with Hurricane Ida. Yes. Oh my goodness, that's crazy how that is happening. I can't believe. It. I
1: know. No, not a good time now. <laughs> I've been in New York during hurricanes before, and it's definitely not as cute during as the fall.
0: Yeah, yeah, fall is the best, because even in the springtime, oh my goodness, it gets too hot, or it's It's it getting hot, sticky, spring into summer,
1: ooh, yeah,
0: so much, well, that's going to be super exciting, and that's going to be really cool that both of you uh, get to go together.
1: Yes, thank you, you went to school in New York as well, or you lived in New York after you finished?
0: I lived in New York after I finished, so I graduated from Loyola Marymount in 2012, I believe. And mm-hmm. um, I worked in L.A. for a while and then I moved to New York in 2016. I so, love that. Yeah. And I lived really close to Columbia, like right above it. So, really? Yeah. 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 So oh, I, nice. I think the, the stop at Columbia is like 119th or something like that. I forgot right now. Or 113th, something like that. But yeah, like Columbia and the um, was kind of like the area, like kind of hang out in that area. There's a lot of like little things to do. Yes. And then going into central park, just a little bit, a couple stops down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's very historical, very pretty over there. Yes. Did you move for just like a change of pace from LA? Yeah.
0: I didn't really have like anything like truly holding me back here in LA and I wanted something different. So I actually got a job out there working for managed care, which is like the corporate side of mental health. Mm -hmm. Very, very different. I was managing a team of case managers and, um, it was a very different environment from nonprofit and from right. like community, or I'm sorry, from private practice. Yeah, it was very much working with a lot of reports and Excel mm. documents and uh, reporting stuff to like the health plan that we were managing on the behavioral health side. So basically, what it was is like when you call your insurance because you're looking for a therapist, right? You would call our team, and then one oh. of our case managers would help direct you to the therapist, and also. If you were hospitalized a bunch of times and we would check Mm -hmm. in with you like on a weekly basis Mm -hmm. to make sure that you're okay, maybe set up some goals together, kind of stuff like that. But it was all on the phone. It was all, it was a telephonic case manager. that's what the positions were. And I would uh, manage a team of, it was case managers. It was, Mm -hmm. um peer specialists. So people within the community that would go and meet some of our clients or patients in the community Mm -hmm. and a few other like administrative roles. Okay. That was like kind of under our team. Did you work from home or in the office? A little bit of both, excuse me, primarily from home though. I think I worked from home, maybe like three to four days. I'd go in like once a week. So for me working from home was like, I was going to say, yeah. yeah, it was. Very and you're ahead much- of all of us. <laughs> yeah, well, and so that's when I decided to start um, working online, providing therapy, because my job was very much like I wasn't having any client interaction, no therapy. I was managing a team, and I wasn't, um, um, I wasn't talking to any patients earlier. Really mm-hmm. And so that's when I started doing online therapy because I really wanted to still do like the client interaction.
1: That's awesome. Wow. And it's so, it's so nice. Like I said, I work with veterans and a lot of the folks that I work with are older adults. Mm-hmm. And I think you'd you'd assume that people in general, particularly older adults don't like virtual services, but a lot of people really, it's so accessible. A lot of people really enjoy mm-hmm. being able to particularly like with mental health right like we're talking about hard things a lot of the time to be cozy in your home if you have privacy mm-hmm. in your home then it's it's pretty ideal
0: mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. so stephanie as we begin wrapping up what are some um self-care tips that you like to enjoy when you are you know coming out of like work stuff or even like family stuff or friends or life
1: mm-hmm. we can
0: take care of you
1: so it depends on how severe the <laughs> the frazzled is. I'd say a good, a really fun practice that I actually developed while working on the poetry book on Kiss from God is to experiment with creative things that are outside of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And I mean it in the simplest way. I went out and I bought a little notepad for painting. And I bought watercolors like for little kids. Uh-huh. And when I, cause, cause obviously I enjoy writing and stuff, but it was also a project I was trying to bring to fruition. And sometimes you're stuck and that wasn't self-care as much anymore. Uh-huh. So I would literally sit on the floor in my living room, put on some nice music and paint. And it looks like a toddler did it, but that's <laughs> not the point. The point is to like, relax your brain with something fun something different, some play. Another one that I would do is my mom is probably the best cook in the world. And I'm sure a lot of people say that, especially Mexican moms, we all think that my mom is from Mexico, Uh but she really is. She's honestly the best cook ever. Uh And so I was always really intimidated to get in the kitchen because she's so good. Uh-huh. but I was like, Oh, you know, for self, for fun. Like it doesn't have to be good. You're just experimenting. I'd have her give me some recipes and I would try to make them and they definitely did not turn out like hers, but <laughs> and the you point try was yield,
0: you'll perfect. It.
1: Yes, exactly. The point was to just do something and take the pressure off yourself. Do something fun. Do not expect perfection. Do it with lightness, with compassion that's a really good, I think, regular practice to do. If you could do it monthly, you could do it weekly, schedule time for some creative play with something that you're not familiar with. Mm -hmm. And then if it's, you're in a big situation of overwhelm, like you're really stressed, you know, you've got personal things and professional things going on. I definitely am a big believer in going back to basics and just focusing on, am I drinking water? Am I eating? a relatively balanced meal Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be perfect or super healthy, but just relative, like I'm getting good nutrients. Am I moving my body? So whatever that looks like for you, for some of us, it's walking for some of us, it's stretching. Am I moving my body? Am I sleeping? Those are the big ones, hydrating, eating, uh, moving, sleeping. And it, it sounds silly, but those are the first things that go for me.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially I think all of them. Yeah. Like if something is going on, I don't want to move. Yes. I feel, I, Cause you're frozen. Some, yeah. And some people say like, Oh, when I work out, I feel less stressed. That doesn't happen for me. <laughs> so that goes out the window. I'm like, if I'm stressed out, I feel too stressed to work out.
1: Yes. So, I don't, I don't enjoy it either. Um, I have plenty of friends who that's where they release their feelings. I don't enjoy like going to a class or weightlifting or something, if I'm really stressed, but it's walking for me.
0: Yes, me too.
1: Like something yeah. like that, like just taking a walk. I have a dog. So just walking yes.
0: with her and just being really quiet. Mm-hmm. That, that's something that helps me. So
1: I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Just your okay. basic needs and whatever it looks like for you. Also getting a dog is really good self-care.
0: Oh yeah. My little puppy, she's eleven. Oh, my God. Really? Yes. (laughs) Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. It was so funny at work. We just had like we have self-care presentations because we're social workers and um, notoriously burnt out and things like that. So we get these like little self-care presentations from our peers. And the one this week was get a pet. That was the advice was to get a pet, (laughs) whether it was a dog, a cat, a fish, a bird. I have a dog and a bird. And the research shows they're very good for your physical and your mental health so if you can definitely consider it
0: yeah even even if it's a fish because that's just like in a little bowl
1: yeah it's just chilling there but there's something else alive in the room with you which is comforting Uh Uh Mm -hmm.
0: absolutely all right Stephanie well that is all for today any last minute things that you want to share with us and our listeners
1: Uh, If you want to find me, I live most on Instagram. Um, I'm at Stephanie Sorati. That's S-O-R-A-D-Y underscore M-S-W. And in my bio, there's a link to um, the link to purchase my book as well.
0: Awesome. And I will link her information as well
1: for the book
0: and her Instagram, where to find her. But Stephanie, it was such a cool conversation. I'm so glad that you joined me today. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, thank you. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you. Always a pleasure talking to you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. All right, everybody, please rate, subscribe, um, listen, follow. And if you have any questions for us, feel free to reach out. And until next time. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to Therapy, Etc. I hope you were able to gain something new from today's conversation. And if you enjoyed what you heard, The best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend and be sure to provide a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. If you have a topic you would like to learn more about, send a message and follow us on Instagram at TherapyETC Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Take care and be well.